you're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Mottier, and I'm here today with Faye Hawkins from FirstBase. How are you doing, Faye? Yeah, good. Thanks, Ray. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. So today we will be talking about some top tips for fast growth marketers. But before we get started, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself as well as your company, FirstBase? Yeah, sure. So so fast growth marketing is, is what we're all about. So perfectly aligned to our specialist topic here. Uh, we work with technology B2B companies and we're an agency that helps them you know, put all the right pieces in place. So taking them to market, helping their buyers to actually you know, understand what it is that they sell, what the value would be, getting them in front of the right target audiences, making sure that we uh, you know, get those buyers to know what it is that we're trying to sell. Uh, we generate the leads. That's always the number one requirement for all of our clients. So demand generation is very much um, the kind of tactic. And then really just helping the clients to understand you know, how the buyers are behaving. So there's a huge component of, of digital marketing where we're looking for you know, every touch point, every action, where our buyers are really getting in touch with us on various channels. Um, and then really just helping kind of push them towards a sales conversation. In a nutshell, that's what we do. Excellent. That, that sounds uh... That sounds very interesting and very close to what we do in a sense. We, we probably are the next step after that. So that's, uh, we, we, we've got a good understanding of the, the value you can bring. Um, so, so we both work with B2B software organization and most of our clients, as probably your clients, are growing at a very fast, fast pace. With new technology consistently or constantly, shall I say, coming to market, vendor getting new rounds of investment, Company needing, needing to scale their business because they're under pressure from investors and needing, needing to do it in a very short time frame. Mm. In this fast space environment, we need marketers that can quickly adapt their approach to their clients' needs, to their company, their company's needs. From your perspective, what are the, the skills and talents that you believe marketers in the fast changing market need to have? Yeah. Oh, good question. I mean, there's definitely a, a skills and expertise component to any any successful marketing program. But, you know, you picked up just there that, you know, we, we work in the kind of industry where it's hugely competitive. And, you know, whether you're a startup or an enterprise business, you still have quite a lot of ground to cover from a marketing point of view. Um, the skills that you need, the number one thing, as much as you need the kind of hands-on expertise, just need to be all over it. We need to have, you know, the attitude where you're really looking for you know, every single opportunity and learning really quickly. There's all sorts of tools out there these days. So, you know, the, the MarTech revolution is absolutely upon us. So every marketer is, you know, having to learn new things every day. And we're learning you know, what kind sure. of new techniques we can put in place. We're, we're having to get to grips with you know, all the new kind of marketing automation platforms, different types of tracking software. So technology is really having a huge impact on how we actually do marketing for software and B2B tech companies. So there's definitely a component of, you know, just need to be quite resourceful. There's an answer for something everywhere. Like, how do we do this? What's the best practice way of doing it? So it's definitely a kind of high paced environment. And you you need people that really kind of have that go getting drive to like get stuff done and learn new things and just make stuff happen because in the end that's the thing that makes the difference you know we set out our strategy for for all the clients we work with 
And, you know, we, we have to adapt really quickly. So that's the other thing. Like we, we don't know very often when we start with companies. I mean, you'll have this, the same thing yourself. You start with a startup company because they may not have done marketing before. You know, we can set out a paper-based plan that makes really good sense. But we don't know until we actually get in market you know, how the buyers are going to behave, what sort of engagement we're going to get, what sort of response rates we should be looking for. So there's a lot of optimization and, and you know, kind of looking at what's in front of you and picking the best path. Um, and that's a real skill. So good decision making, short term and the longer term vision of all the things that are kind of needed to, to be successful. That's quite Absolutely. a long answer, but there's, there's quite a lot to it, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, but it, it does make perfect sense because I think you, you are totally right. I think if you look at your organization, if you look at an organization like, like Operatics, we are tensions of our client sales and marketing team, respectively, right? So ultimately, we would have people coming to us because they want to accelerate results. They want to accelerate their route to market. They want to accelerate pipeline generation, lead generation before that. But ultimately, they want to accelerate their growth. And we see it very, very often. And it's not just with small startup company that you would expect, uh, you know, have not really finalized their strategy. We also see it with larger organizations, some very large public companies that we work with. Sometimes we start with a strategy, but along the way, through analysis of results, through voice of the customers, through the feeling, through our experience of working with other vendors, we, we also need to fine-tune our approach or at least yeah. we need to go and share best practices to try to influence clients. But do you find it difficult sometimes to influence clients to do the right thing? That's a bit of a tricky question. I know exactly what you mean. And uh, you know, putting, when I put myself in the client's shoes, you know, what, what they're looking for from us is a degree of certainty. You know, they, they want to know. And ultimately, it always comes down to ROI. It's if, if I make this investment in marketing or demand generation, what will I get out? And it's sometimes very, very difficult for the agency or for any marketer to, to give a concrete answer to that. And I think, you know, the little bit of um, you know, marketing does sometimes suffer from, from that kind of attitude of you know, it's all very kind of fluffy. And, you know, we, we're not really kind of you know, nailing our colors to the post on what we can achieve. But as an agency, we, we try to get that predictability in place for clients where we can forecast and we can build a model. But the model yeah. requires data. We need, to, we need to do some marketing before we can tune it up. And that's where the responsiveness and the optimization comes in. You know, we, yeah. we have to know how many, what the download rate is, for instance, and how we're converting landing page visits to downloads to actually put a ratio in, a percentage that says, okay, if we now increase the traffic by this much, we'll get this many more downloads. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're, we're going to say, okay, let's do some marketing. We'll just hope for the best. <laughs> so yeah. no, I appreciate that. It's quite, it, I mean, I, I do understand, you know, absolutely. We, we have to understand it from the client's point of view as well. And it would help though, I think, you know, they're looking for certainty. We can, we can give them a plan that has all the kind of, you know, worked out strategy and loads of experience and best practice in there. We can give them a target and say, this is what we think we can achieve if we go ahead and do this. But we're going to have to actually, you know, adapt as we go and learn as we go. And that's something that often, yeah, I do think clients, you know, they, they don't like to have that conversation necessarily because it almost feels like, you know, we're not sure that it will work either, which there is a degree of because, you know, we don't know for sure if it will work unless we do it. Absolutely. No, no, I completely agree with you. On, on the point, you, you mentioned a word that is, we spoke, I can't remember exactly in which podcast, but you, you mentioned fluffy as an yeah. adjective going <laughs> after marketing. And 
And I can't recall exactly, and I think that conversation actually came up a few times, but there is almost called the fluffy marketing is, is more like the long-term marketing, which is actually very important. You know, the long-term, mm-hmm. what, how do you build your brand versus the short-term, which is the other thing that you mentioned, such as, okay, let's generate leads now. Let's get people coming onto the website. Let's optimize. Let's have some campaigns. Let's, let's make it very simple for people to contact us and get in touch with us when they're in a, in, in a buying process. So I guess my next question to you is, any marketer needs to find a balance between short-term wins and long-term brand building. Mm-hmm. How do yeah. you do that? Yeah, that is the ultimate question for marketing. I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it, it comes down to it comes down to a couple of things, and it also comes down to being prepared to stick at it. Is kind of the number one thing that you know we've learned in in our years of working with you know tons of different technology clients, and the, the short-term requirement is often the justification for continuing to invest in marketing. So, so for instance, you know, we'll, we'll have a client that say, we've got a fixed budget and we want you to go ahead and put the marketing plan together. We'll do what we do and we'll come back with, here are the leads that we've generated for you. Off you go. And, and you know, as you say, there, there might well be some kind of operatics involvement or some kind of lead development just to get them into the sales pipeline. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it's about it's about bums on seats at that level, and that is the number one thing. When lots of clients are you know, looking to us as an agency, we have to deliver that. But the other thing that goes hand in hand with it is what is the cost of that lead. So the cost per lead is more important, arguably, than how many leads have, can we generate, because you know it, you can buy as much traffic as you want. And it's a question of how expensive should the traffic be for you to actually yeah. you know get the wheels to turn from a marketing point of view. And this is where the longer term approach really can't starts to come into its own because even if you invest in the short term in brand, you have this kind of juxtaposition where the better known the brand is, and particularly for kind of startup businesses, they have this equation that they have to find the balance for where you know, they're not necessarily very well known as a brand. They might have an amazing product. They know exactly who they're going to go and target. But if we go and knock on those doors from a marketing perspective, you know, maybe we use InMail, we might use sponsored content, we might use Google Ads, we can get in front of those people. But their next question is, who are these guys? And when will, you know, will they be around in two years' time if I buy their software now? What sort of service contract can I really expect? And that yeah. comes down to brand. And you know, ultimately, you know, we, we have a lot of discussions with kind of senior leaders and you know, the people who sign checks for marketing where you know, we're, we're looking at investing in the brand. They don't see that as a helpful thing from a balance sheet point of view, but it does mean that overall, you'll get much better performance out of your marketing and you will grow faster. It's just less tangible in the metrics. So Absolutely. that's the tricky thing. The, the other thing though, we've, we've kind of proven with a couple of clients where we've worked with them on kind of longer term relationships. The, the ideal marketing program is 24 months in a plan. It's not six months, it's not three months, not even 12. And, you know, over, over 24 months, you can put both a short-term and a long-term plan together and you can look to bring down the cost per lead because investing in the brand means that you will generate more leads that are organic or are cheaper to buy. So, so overall, you know, the ROI, if you look at it over a longer-term period, that's a far better way of doing it rather than how many leads can I get over a short-term period starting from zero. Mm-hmm. And that's always the complicated bit when we're you know, trying to talk to clients because it does take a leap of faith if you're just trying to you know, get started in a market, particularly if you're a kind of fast growth business. And it, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, difficult conversation to have and a, a tough challenge. 
Absolutely. But I guess you answered my next question to you. What would be your top tips for those startups organizations or, or those technology companies to develop a successful marketing strategy? And so if I understand well, what you are saying is that to really realize not only the long-term plan, but to, to re, really get the best of a marketing strategy, what you should have is a 24-month plan mm -hmm. in which you will have tactical, shorter-term impact on pipeline as yeah. well as longer-term longer -term strategy that will help you to put your brand forward, resonate to your customers, and ultimately accelerate the return on your tactical campaigns and to that extent reduce your cost per lead. Is that, is that the yeah. right summary? That's, ex that's exactly what I'm saying. Brilliant. Thank you, Ray. I'll write that down. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> that's but, and, and, but that leads me to, to other question around, around the leads. So we, we speak about the leads and, and we... We always have different definition of leads. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I appreciate, you know, I, I think you and I had conversation in the past, and probably the, what led to the podcast today in, in, in us knowing each other, which is how do we bridge the gap between the work that you guys do and actually sales? Okay. Yeah. Because, and, and, and I feel, I feel for, for individuals like yourself, I feel for marketers because we work very closely to, to sales team. We've, we work with fantastic sales team. We also work with sales individuals that are probably a little bit more picky in mm -hmm. terms of what they want. We also sometimes work with teams that are a bit more tactical. So it could be a reseller, it could be a partner, or it could be an inside sales team who have, sometimes they, they expect the leads to be, you know, if there is not a project in three months or if there is not a project in six months, this is not a good lead, okay? Which yeah. is great. If you are in the commodity business, which is great mm -hmm. if you are in the very low value, high volume, and you want to churn and you don't have the time to, uh, uh, you don't have the time to, well, we, basically you don't have space for any additional cost of sales to be put in because the, the average deal value is too low. Mm -hmm. But how do you get that handshake done from a, a, a transfer of leads perspective to make sure that, you know, first of all, People are actually working the leads that you are providing them. Yeah. And, and not just from, you know, working the leads doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to give them a call or I'll send them an email. And if they don't respond, that's not a good lead. It, it must be done properly. But I'm interested to understand how you do that because obviously I know that we, we are helping you and we're working together mm -hmm. in, in doing that for the same clients. But when we are not involved, what are the challenges that you see and what are the solutions that you are bringing in terms of end of our process to make sure that you know, most of the hard work that you do is actually not only be perceived as good, but also yeah. actually turn it into good. Because yeah. again, when you're a marketer, the job of marketing is not to provide qualified opportunities. And for me, a mm -hmm. lead that is an opportunity in three months, six months time is a qualified opportunity. So someone else should yeah. do that. Your job is to find that first touch, that first interest. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's, that's kind of my uh, long-winded yeah. question for you. <laughs> No, and, it, and again, it's a, it's another really big topic, and there's no one size fits all approach to it. There's there's all sorts of different factors to consider. But I absolutely agree with you that the the, the role of marketing is to is, is to generate interest from buyers. We are not selling to people. We are helping the salespeople understand who they should be talking to to then go ahead yep. and sell to them. So I completely agree with you, and I think there's there's a there's a lot of I guess kind of industry confusion frustration maybe about some of the terminology that's really been adopted in b2b so the the mql the 
between qualified lead has such a massive range of different interpretations and definitions across our client base. And with good reason, in part, sometimes you know, it, it, it reflects the sales organization that exists inside the client. So for instance, you know, if, if you've got tons of biz dev or lead development, telemarketing inside sales team, for instance, you need more volume, you need less qualified leads, you just need a lot of them. And so the definition of MQL at that point could literally just be a download. It's not very well qualified, but there's an expectation that's kind of set there between marketing and sales that quite a high volume of them will be returned to marketing for nurture. And that's yeah. fine as long as it's understood. But we also have the opposite end of the spectrum sometimes where you know, we're, we're, marketing is expected to qualify the leads, but we want them now. And you know, that, it takes time to qualify leads that come through in the same way. Because um, they will have, you know, come through from whatever the, the the kind of engagement is, but that doesn't mean that they want to buy. So, you know, we 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 can we can look at intent. We can understand, you know, which channels and what sort of funnel velocity and all these, you know, kind of ways of figuring out who look like the highest priority that would convert to sale. But at the same time, it still it still requires a sales discussion. It still requires an appointment. It still requires a sales process, and. Sometimes that line is quite blurred about, you know, how far along the whole of the buyer journey marketing should actually continue to engage. So it's always a good one for discussion. I mean, what we do for quite a lot of clients is is try and nail that down from the start because it's, it's super important for marketing and sales to get off on the right foot. You know, we, we need to all understand exactly what we mean by lead to your first point. And we try to define what are the lead stages. Very, very often, you know, there's some kind of existing CRM, so Salesforce or whatever it might be that the sales folks are all used to using. And we can work with that. We just need to understand what that intersection point is between whenever we create a marketing lead, how does it actually populate? Who does it go to? How do we actually put that kind of automation bit in place and complete the return path? So if it's not a lead, give it back. We'll have it back. Thank you. We'll do some lead nurture. Um, we'll see if we can qualify them again. Um, and if not, then, you know, we'll, we'll do what we need to do on the marketing side. So th- there's definitely, there's good kind of structure that can, we can put in place to kind of set up, you know, what, what should that handover look like between marketing and sales? Um, but again, you know, it, it needs some fine tuning. We need to work out, you know, what, what can marketing practically do? And, you know, how does sales need to come to the party to do the next bit um, if we're not you know, able to qualify it so hard from a marketing point of view? Uh, and, and I think, you know, as, as we discussed earlier on, because at the end of the day, the topic is fast growth marketers. I think mm-hmm. coming back to a point that you, you mentioned, what we see with most of our clients is that we have to adapt. We have to change those qualifications. We've got to change the way we pass on those leads. We've got to change the way we communicate or we need to change the reporting. So you might start with a company and they say, you know what, we want absolutely everything because we need to speak to people. We need to get out there. And then they get to a position where they actually have a fair amount of pipeline and then they get mm-hmm. under pressure to close the business. So yeah. they're probably less interested by the uh, lower level or less qualified leads. And then you may have a, an internal team coming in and then that internal team will just do the qualification and, you know, or it could be done to pass to the channel, but the strategy always tend to change every six months from, from what we see. So I think, I think mm-hmm. coming back to the point that you mentioned earlier, that lead end of our process and, and that return loop, I agree, needs to be defined at the beginning and everybody needs to uncheck sales, marketing and, and us, professional services suppliers. But yeah. I think it's also very important to discuss about it on a quarterly basis and just to make sure that it's still fitting the needs. 
and fitting mm -hmm. the requirement from the management of the clients. And, and to the point you mentioned earlier, it's about adapting. It's about having people that can do the analysis, listening to the signals from the clients, understanding how the structure of our clients and those fast-growing company are developing. And based on the way they develop, provide suggestion on, hey, this is how we have such and such. When they were exactly at the same stage of growth as mm -hmm. you, we would suggest potentially putting that process in place. And we actually end up doing a lot of that, helping also to, to get to the next stage. You know, the, it's almost like a staircase. You get to a certain level of revenue and then you need to get better and better and better. And to go up, you need to change. And changing yeah. is difficult. Um, and I guess the good news for organizations like yours and ours is that we've been doing it with many clients. So we can come up with, uh, we can come up with this. That's wonderful. Well, thanks for that, Faye. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure it was yes. very useful for our audience to, to listen to the tips and, and the information you shared and, and all the intelligence around the way you perceive things. Um, now, if anyone wants to connect with you or to learn more about your company, first base, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, we're always open to conversations with technology companies that are looking to grow. So, you know, whether they're, they're already doing marketing or, you know, right at the beginning of, of that journey. Best way to get in touch is probably take a look at our website have a look at some of the case studies that we've got on there various different types of client you know different types of marketing the, the website address is www.itshitfirstbase.com h-i-t first and then b-a-s-e.com you'll find quite a few different examples of you know, kind of services that we offer we do all sorts of different things for some clients some clients it's full service marketing where literally outsource all of it and we'll, we'll take care of hitting the number and for others you know we, we fill in around existing in-house expertise so, you know, we can add, you know, certain bits of components of the whole marketing program, you know, whatever's needed, really. So, yeah, I shall look forward to uh, yeah, continuing conversations and um, some of our shared clients hopefully will, uh, will have found our little collaboration here interesting, too. Absolutely. Well, that's great. Many thanks again, uh, Faye. That was, wonderful to, that was wonderful to have you on the Thank show. Thank you, Ray. It was great. Really good fun. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.